0: Good morning, church family. Good, morning. Good to see all of you here today. Isn't it nicer to be inside than outside today? Isn't that, isn't that a lot nicer? And uh, boy, I don't want to go back to the days when you didn't have heat in a building. That's all I'm going to say. But uh, I'm so glad that you're here today and uh, that you've been come to this third message in this topic, Who Are We? I, I think it's important that people understand the truth about who we are as a church. Uh, Some of you may be new to our church, and if you're thinking about possibly joining the church, it's a good thing, it's an important thing for you to understand the core values, the core beliefs that we have as a church. We have a class called Discovering Christ Church class. Uh, Where is Mike Dawson this morning? Stand up, Mike. I want everybody to see you this morning. Now, he'll be up here at the end of the service, but this guy right here, he's been doing a great job in that class. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. (laughs) He's an elder that's just trying to get me, you know, some help in my elderly. Um, But no, he, he does a great job with that class. How many of you have taken that class By the way, raise your hand if you've taken that class. Most folks have taken that class. If you want to join our church, you need to go through that class in order to do that because that class teaches the basics about our church, um, helping people to learn what we believe, what we stand for, what our goals, what our ambitions, what our mission is. So I would encourage you if you want to take that class, if you've not done it already, even if you've been coming a long time, Take that class. It's going to start again. They've got a class going on now, but the next class will be in February, so you can register for that and let Mike know that you want to do that. But it's important also to remind all of us who have been here a long time about what we are here for, because sometimes we can become a little complacent. We can make assumptions. We can, you know, just uh, not even think about it what we're here for. We can rest on our past accomplishments. We can forget the work isn't done yet until Jesus comes back. And let's face it, we often forget some things. You know, how long does COVID fog last? That's what I want to know, because I seem to have COVID. In fact, I think I had COVID fog in the brain before I had COVID. Anybody else here have issues like that, but, uh, you know, one reason I wanted to start the year out uh, uh, talking about this uh, is that I, I believe that we need to be reminded of who we are. We have shared our mission statement over the last couple of weeks, and for the sake of repetition, you know, one thing that helps people remember stuff is repetition. When you say it over and over and over again, it helps us to remember it. And so today, I want to do that again. Um, and I want, to, I want to mention that mission statement again. The, the, the core value that we have. We exist to build relationships that honor God and lead to transformation in Christ. So I want us to go through that again. I'm going to go real slow for you, and I want you to repeat it with me after I say it. We exist, we exist. to build relationships. That honor God and lead to transformation transformation. in Christ. Christ. Now, I I hope that maybe you could remember that. If somebody says, well, what's your church all about? Maybe you wouldn't be able to quote it, but you could at least remember that we're about building relationships that honor God and help people change in the way God wants them to change. Does that make sense? That's what we're all about. Um, So um, I I, I wanna speak to that today. Uh, The answer hinges on what we hold out as truth. But discovering truth these days may seem like a very difficult thing. Uh, Brett McCracken in his book, The Wisdom Pyramid, writes in Oprah Winfrey's Lifetime Achievement Award, acceptance speech at the 2018 Golden Globes, she said, What I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. That phrase, your truth, those two words are so entrenched in our lexicon today, he writes, that we hardly recognize them for the incoherent nightmare they are. Among other things, the philosophy of your truth destroys families. When a dad suddenly decides his truth is calling him to a new lover, a new family, or maybe even a new gender. It's a philosophy that can destroy entire societies because invariably one person's truth will go to battle with another person's truth and devoid of reason, only power decides the victor. Your truth also puts an incredible self-justifying burden on the individual. If we are all self-made projects whose destinies are wholly ours to discover and implement, life becomes a rat race of performative individuality. Live your truth. Autonomy is as exhausting as it is incoherent, he writes. Depression is the inevitable result and the inexorable counterpart of the human being who is her or his own sovereign. Now, friends, I, I don't know if that gets too deep for anybody here, but I wholeheartedly agree with what that statement was. My truth and your truth in no way demands that there is real truth. There is a truth, right? <coughs> truth... When determined by the eye of the beholder becomes whatever a person feels or experiences, we have to come to a place where we just make it up as we go. And in fact, one person's truth one day may be totally different than their truth on another day. Have you ever seen that in our culture? Matt Schneider, in his blog, What is Truth, adds this thought. The concept of truth has been dying a slow death for many years and has become more noticeable in the past decade or so. In the early 2000s, comedian Stephen Colbert picked up on this cultural phenomenon by coining the term truthiness. Anybody heard that term, truthiness? Which went on to become Merriam-Webster's Word of the Year in 2006. Similarly, in 2016, in the wake of her presidential election and Brexit and accusations across the politi- political spectrum from fake news, Oxford dictionaries uh, named Post Truth its word of the year. Shortly thereafter, commenting on the presidential inauguration, Kellyanne Conway famously spoke of alternative facts. In response, Tom blazoned the question Is truth dead? Then in 2018, former New York mayor Rudy Giuliani claimed truth isn't truth (laughs) during an interview with Chuck Todd on NBC. Of course, let's not forget Bill Clinton splitting hairs over the definition of sexual relations and the accidental pondering what an attorney's definition of is is back in 1998. Truthiness has cut both ways across the aisles in our post-truth age. The reason I bring this up is because we as a church hold to the core value that we can know the truth and that truth can set us free. It's not my truth. It's not your truth. It's God's truth. And God's truth is the truth. Again, the problem is that we're in a culture that constantly is denying truth. We're constantly being bombarded with the idea that there is no absolute truth. It's whatever you think or whatever you feel. Arizona Christian University posted an article entitled, American Worldview Inventory 2020, in which they shared the following. Past generations of Americans viewed God as the basis of truth and morality. Not anymore. A new study shows that most Americans reject any absolute boundaries regarding their morality with 58% of adults surveyed believing instead that moral truth is up to the individual to decide. According to findings from pollster Dr. George Barna, belief in absolute moral truth rooted in God's word is rapidly eroding among all American adults. This is regardless if they are churched or unchurched within every political segment and within every age group. Even among those who do identify God as the source of truth, there is substantial rejection of any absolute standard of morality in American culture. Perhaps most stunning, this latest research shows a rejection of God's truth and absolute moral standards by American Christians, those seen as most likely to hold to traditional standards of morality. Evangelicals defined as believing the Bible to be true the reliable Word of God, are just as likely to reject absolute moral truth. 46%. When God's Word says something and it doesn't fit with what they want to do, they reject it. It's not true. And only a minority of born-again Christians, 43%, still embrace absolute truth. The study found that the pull of secularism is especially strong among younger Americans with those under the age of 30 much less likely to select God as the basis of truth. Only 31%. And more likely to say that moral standards are decided by the individual, 60%. Believe that. As Jeff Myers writes in his new book, Truth Changes Everything, we live in a world where we cannot go a single day without hearing that truths are based on how we see things rather than on what exists to be seen. Truth is not out there to be found. It is in here to be narrated. A biblical worldview rests firmly on the idea that truth can be known. It says that truth isn't constructed by experiences or feelings. Rather, a biblical worldview says that truth exists and it is a person and his name is Jesus and it is found in his word. And so, this brings us to our big idea for today. What do we as a church... now that, Now, I'm saying we as a church. I'm telling you we as the leaders of this church and traditionally what our church has taught and believed since we began. We believe that God's word is truth and his truth leads us to a greater purpose in life. I want you to think about that. God's word is truth and that truth will lead us to a greater purpose in life. So let's consider these core values of Christ's church. God's word is truth. Now, we do not agree with the culture that truth is determined by each person's experience. We believe there is a truth that God wants us to know. And it's for every single person. Not just for a group of people, but for all people. We discover God's truth by turning to His Word. Why? As we read in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning (coughs) was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life and that life. Was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, who do you think that passage is talking about? Jesus. Jesus Jesus is the Word who became flesh. Jesus himself is the Word of God. That Word brings light into our lives. It reveals darkness. And how to avoid the dark, it reveals how to live in the light. Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, friends, I'll tell you, in our current culture, and even among many contemporary churches... The idea that Jesus is the only way to the Father is not truth. You hear what I'm saying? There is a denial even among many Christians that we have to go through Jesus Christ in order to be with the Father. Some may claim there are many paths to God. You can find God by being a good person no matter what you believe. That is their truth, right? That God's word, teaching God's truth, teaches something very different. And friends, we need to listen to God's truth. And I'm not going to call it God's truth anymore because it is the truth. Okay? It's not just God's truth. God is the creator of all. I would say whatever he says is right is right. And whatever he says is wrong is wrong. Wouldn't you agree with that? Speaking of God's word, God wants us to understand this. In 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So this is where we stand as a church. We hold to this core value that God's word is truth. Can I hear an amen? I believe a lot of people have given up on that belief. Last week we saw that we believe in the necessity of a spiritual transformation. We believe God's Word is the tool that God uses to create that transformation. God's Spirit takes that Word, planted in our hearts, to bring about the transformation process. And so we believe God's Word can transform us into a holy, sincere people. It doesn't just happen because we accept Jesus. No, we have to learn. We have to train. We have to figure out what it is that God wants us to do. We have to understand God's wisdom. We have to understand God's point of view. And by reading and studying God's Word, not as a book of literature or a book of history... But as a spiritual guide for our lives, as the very words of God, we can be changed. And friend, if you are not reading your Bible, if you are not in the Word of God, you are setting yourself up for spiritual failure. I'm telling you, you need to be in the Word, not on YouTube, all right? All right. People that follow YouTube for their spiritual guidance are going to be taken down some really crazy paths. you got to get in your word and listen to what God is telling you. We can read about the things that hinder our spiritual growth. Last week I mentioned the sinful nature. You know, the Bible clearly lays out the path of the sinful nature and where it can take us it clearly lays out the truth that living for the sinful nature will carry us further away from God and into darkness. And life experiences reveal the same truth, don't they? Those who live to please the sinful nature will reap what that nature brings. And and I, for one, and I think all of you would agree, we can all attest to that truth when we live to please our sinful nature we will reap the consequences of those choices I've experienced that and I believe every human being has experienced that because we discover that we all sin we've all fallen short of the glory of God there's nobody that's perfect in this room when we sin we are separated from God in Isaiah 59 too, we we see, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Friend, if you are feeling distance from God, maybe it's because you're giving in to sin. Maybe it's because you're not reading his word and trying to grow in your relationship with him. Because when we seek God, when we read his word, when we are praying, we can begin to experience the spiritual transformation that we need. We can know this because the Bible is the inspired word of God. As we just read a few moments ago in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God breathed. Being God-breathed means that it came to us from God. It wasn't made up by people, but it was inspired from the Holy Spirit in the hearts of those who recorded it. So it isn't like a novel. It isn't like a history book. You know, one of the things that bothers me about some of our secular schools when they say that they're going to have a Bible class, you know, they're, they're going to have this class to teach you about the Bible. A A lot of unsuspecting Christians will take these courses, and then when they take the course, they discover that the teacher doesn't believe the Bible at all. They're just teaching it as a book of literature or history or maybe a fable or, you know, something like that, and they just strip it of all the spirituality that's in it. And when you take out the spiritual stuff of the Bible... And you just make it a common book that you can pull off the shelf and read for a class. Friend, you've stripped it of all of its power. Because the Bible is truth. We we can trust it for our lives and for our eternities. And so we as a church believe that the word of God is an absolute truth. And as a church, we hold that core value. And we teach its truths without compromise for the purpose of changing lives. I want you to hear what I say there. We teach it without compromise for the purpose of changing lives. I want to tell you, we don't want to compromise what the Scripture says to accommodate anyone's particular ideas. We aren't going to try to water the Scripture down to appease people. We don't want to change the message of the gospel because we're afraid it might hurt somebody's feelings. Sometimes our feelings need to be hurt. Sometimes we need to recognize that what we're choosing to do is going to lead us down a dark path. We need to understand the truth. We will call sin a sin. A lot of churches, they don't want to talk about sin. Some very popular TV preachers don't want to talk about sin. But friends, if we don't understand sin and what it does in our lives, we will have no understanding of our desperate need for Jesus. Right? We will call people towards salvation as the Bible demands. We believe that if people want to experience the peace of God, they must follow God's word. Without his word, people are drifting from one person's truth to another person's truth, which is not truth at all. And that's why we believe people need the truth. Especially in our culture today, people need the truth. And again, I'm talking about God's truth, God's word, telling people the truth about Christ both locally and globally, is part of the purpose of Christ's church. Some of you may know of John Ortberg in his book, Loving Enough to Speak the Truth. He puts it this way, and I thought this was a a fantastic way of thinking about this, and I want you to just think about this in your own life. Imagine picking your car up from a shop after a routine tune-up, and the technician says, "Uh, this car's in great shape. Clearly, you have an automotive genius to take great care of your car. (laughs) Later that day, your brakes don't work. And you find out that you were out of brake fluid. You could have died. You go back to the shop and you say, why didn't you tell me? And the technician says, well, I didn't want you to feel bad. Plus, to be honest, I was afraid you might get upset with me. I want this to be a safe place where you feel loved and accepted. (laughs) You'd be furious. You'd say, I didn't come here for a little fantasy-based ego boost. When it comes to my car, I want the truth. Or imagine an even more serious situation. You go in for your doctor's checkup, right? The doctor says, you uh, are a magnificent Physical specimen. You know, if I walk in and the doctor tells me that, what's so funny? You don't know what I was going to say. I don't understand. You have the body of an Olympian, right? You are to be congratulated. And later that day, while climbing the stairs, your heart gives out. You find out later your arteries are so clogged that you were one jelly donut away from the Grim Reaper. You go back to the doctor and you say, why didn't you tell me? And the doctor says, well, I knew your body is in worse shape than the Pillsbury Doughboy. But if I tell people stuff like that, they get offended. It's bad for business. They don't want to come back. I want this to be a safe place where you feel loved and accepted. You'd be furious. You'd say to the doctor, when it comes to my body, I want to know the truth. And obviously, when something matters to us, we don't want a luxury comfort based on pain avoidance. We want truth. And friends, the truth is that without Jesus, we are lost in our sin. We are separated from God without hope of eternal life. And Jesus said, He is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus had been put to death, buried and resurrected, Peter stood up before this massive crowd that had gathered for that uh, Pentecost celebration. They were all there in Jerusalem. He proclaimed a message about the promised Messiah. And he claimed that many of those who were present had called for Jesus to be crucified. You know, when Pilate said, what what am I going to do with him? And, And the religious leaders got everybody, crucify him, crucify him. And some of those very people were standing in that crowd that day. Peter claimed that they had murdered the Messiah of God. And at the conclusion of his sermon, he said this in Acts 2, beginning in verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Now at this point, don't you think they want the truth? They want to know what do I need to do to be saved? If I've If I've taken part in the murder of the Son of God, what do I need to do? I want truth. And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all (coughs) who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Friends, this is the truth of the gospel. As painful as that truth was, those people needed to hear it. He wasn't worried about hurting feelings. He was focused on them understanding the truth because their very salvation (coughs) depended on it. I want you to notice something that Peter didn't say. He didn't say, you you don't have to do anything. Just, Just be a good person. He didn't say that. He also didn't say, just just believe in Jesus. He didn't say that. He didn't say, repeat this prayer with me. He He never said that. The people needed the truth. They wanted to know what they needed to do to be saved. And he said, repent. In other words, change your allegiance. Before you rejected Jesus, now repentance means to accept him. It's turning away from the choices that you've been making. That's what repentance means. And he said, be baptized. That's what he said. In 2001, the USA Today had an article about a Kansas City pharmacist who was diluting uh, cancer treatment drugs in order to make a larger profit. Uh, So uh, they, they had 20 felony counts against that pharmacist. And he admitted to diluting the drugs during a period of time spanning from November of 2000 to March of 2001. This man held life-saving power in his hands, and for the sake of personal gain, he diluted it to the point where it could not help people. And friends, we can do the same with God's life-saving truth if we decide to change it in order not to hurt somebody's feelings, if we decide to change it so that we don't offend anybody. Peter had a sense of obligation to share that life-saving truth to the people he preached to. Jesus also said we have an obligation to tell others about him. You remember in Matthew 28, as Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Right there, Jesus is laying out what he wants us to do, even today, to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey the commands of Jesus. And so, friends, our purpose is to make disciples. This is a core value of the church. I don't have time to go into detail about uh, you know, everything that's there, but let me just lay it out real quick for you. We believe that God's Word teaches a process of salvation that includes faith, which is believing and trusting in God. Now, you can believe in God, and some people want to say, well, if you just believe in Jesus, <laughs> that's enough. But the Scripture tells us in James that even the demons believe but you see, they don't trust in Jesus. They have a belief. They know know better than we know who Jesus is. But see, they're not saved because of their belief. They don't change allegiance. So we have faith, which is sort of a combination of believing and trusting. We have repentance A turning away from our sin. We have confession, which is giving testimony about Jesus. We have baptism, God's circumcision of our sinful nature. That is where we are reborn and we become new creations as the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. Remember Peter's exhortation to his hearers? When they cried out, what must we do to be saved? He said, they must repent and be baptized. He didn't have to mention faith because their question told him that they believed. You don't ask that question unless you already believe. And in Romans 10, 9 through 10, Paul makes it clear that our salvation is linked also to our continued confession of faith. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So, friends, if we are to speak the truth, we must speak the entire truth, not just a portion of the truth. And so, we will teach this process according to biblical teaching. God is telling us what we must do to be saved. This is our purpose. This is our mission. And we partner with organizations around the world that also do this work. From local missions, like a Roanoke Christian camp. Mid-Atlantic Christian University, uh, Carolina Pregnancy Center, 86 Hunger, Campus Christian Fellowship. These are organizations that are making that effort to provide spiritually and physically to the needs of people. We got, we got some CCF students here today, and you know they, they have Bible studies, and they talk with their uh, teachers and with each other, and, and it's all about bringing them into a closer relationship with Jesus. And our, our global mission, Central India Christian Mission, Togo Christian Mission, Rwanda Challenge, Africa Hope Initiative, Pioneer Bible Translators in, in Indonesia, all of these we partnered with our mission points around the world. And friends, they have literally won hundreds of thousands of people to Jesus. And that's not an exaggeration. Hundreds of Thousands around the world, have come to Christ and are following Him because of our partners. And so we're putting our money where our mouth is because we hold to these core values. We teach them. We preach them. We support those who do the same. This is who we are. And I hope that everyone here will join us in this. We hope... You will agree with us that the word of God is truth and that truth can set us free. We hope you will join us in the purpose of sharing that truth with the lost in our world so they can be saved. And we hope that you will do this personally but also support those who do this around the world because we believe that God's word is truth and his truth can lead us to a greater purpose in life. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning thankful for the truth of the gospel. And Father, I know that in our world today, there are many who would deny your truth. They would deny that the Bible is an absolute truth that we can trust in, that we can believe in. But Father, we do know. We do know this is truth that your word is truth that jesus is the way the truth and the life and no one comes to him except comes to the father except through him and so father we pray that our church would hold on to this core value and i pray that all those that would come and join us would also uh, accept this core value and that they would all, as we work together, accept our role in sharing that truth with the world. Whether it's with our family member, with our neighbor, with our classmate, uh, with our suite mate, uh, you know, with people that we work with, or with people overseas in some other country, some other part of the world. Father, may we play a role in bringing them to Christ. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.